You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 348 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Valerie. I'm very excited about this week's episode, The Essential Guide to Cropping Portraits. Uh, this is a subject that I think there is a sort of a lot of confusion around, but once you sort of get your head around what a massive difference uh, cropping the, uh, the right way can make to how your image feels. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, I think, um, something that everyone needs to uh, learn and have in your little toolkit of things you should know about portrait photography. Um, Why, was that that, funny? Val, yeah. <laughs> Why was What's that, that funny? Yeah. What's that? I just entertain myself. Uh, you saw the things I see out of the side of my eye. You would laugh too. You mean your dog, Gary? No. <laughs> okay. I'm um, a bit concerned, but yes, the essential guide to cropping portraits, keen to get stuck into it. But before we do that, we have a constructive critique for yes. Derek Martin who left – uh, a um, question um, in the Facebook group. And also, if you are not already a member of the Facebook group, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. Lots of photographers, aspiring and established from all work, walks of life all around the world. Um, yeah, just request to join. It's great to see everyone from all over the place and all their fantastic styles of photography. So what has Derek asked? All right, so he wants a CC, which is a constructive critique on an image. So he's taken a, a, an image uh, near Margaret River in Western Australia. Have you been to Margaret River, Val? I actually haven't. I've been to Western Australia and yeah, yeah but I haven't gone as far south as Which Margaret River. Which is a massive <laughs> yeah, it's area, rather large. really <laughs> huge. It's like the size of uh, North America. Really. Well, it's the, a third of the size of North America. <laughs> yeah, but it's a big place. Yes. But you haven't been to Margaret River? I haven't no. been either. It's oh. on my list. Yes, list. Uh, but he writes that uh, he, he thinks the image has plenty of interest uh, in the wave movement and the colour and the mood, uh, but he what he can't get his head around is the composition. Mm. And so he asks, does it work? Uh, and he mentions that he was attracted to the layering, so we've got water and clouds and a little bit of sky uh, and what would I uh, – 
change about this image. So, and if um, you want to have a look at the how image, was my description, Val, of the image? Do you want to, you know, paint a uh, a word picture for us? That's what so you do. So, if you want to have a look at the image, it is in the show notes. So, Gina, there are two images there. Are that have they both been posted the top by Derek? One. No, it's the first one. So, okay. uh, the one directly under the. The description is Derek's original image. Okay, so Derek's got an image of a seascape from Preverley, I think it's there's the name, near Margaret River in Western Australia, and it's taken from the shore. So there and there's rocks, you know, like that you find in at beaches in the foreground, and the waves from the distance are crashing, and many they're crashing in the distance. So there's various barrels in the distance, but also crashing on the rocks in the foreground. And in the foreground, there's the wash and the greenness of the of the sea. And as it goes more towards the horizon, um, the the color is gets more um, gets a bit darker. But it's still a great contrast because you can see waves crashing. And then in the distance from the horizon until um, a bit of the sky, it's really quite heavy cloud. And when the cloud stops, then there's clear sky, blue sky. Uh, blue, you know, basically a blue and white sky, but the heavy cloud is kind of like a grey blanket between the horizon and um, where it ends. So, Gina, off oh, you grey go. Grey blanket, that was good, Val. Very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's description. You should be a writer. <laughs> um, so, uh, Derek, I really like what you've uh done here with the image and basically the crop that you've provided uh, in the Facebook group is uh, maybe 16.9 at a guess. So it's a very panoramic image. So it's long and narrow. And uh, where I, I can see the the sort of the the waves crash crashing over the rocks, so it's quite a powerful image, and there is a lot going on. So you've got this, you've got the 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 that sort of blanket of cloud, like a strip of cloud, and then you've got the crashing uh, waves, and then the rocks. Uh, so whenever I'm thinking about how I'm going to compose or crop my image. I'm thinking about uh, the viewer experience, and so what I'm what I'm kind of looking at in this image is how it makes me feel, and I, I the panoramic, like the long and narrow look, that it does work. But when I look at this image, Derek, there there is nowhere to rest my eyes. So it's chaos all the way through. So I just think that. Um, Something like this, and what I've had to play around with, and I've got a, like a low res image, and but just to show you, so in the show notes directly underneath Derek's image is uh, Derek's image again. But what I've done is I've extended uh, the top of the frame, and I've added like uh, more sky uh, to the top of the image, uh, and uh, using the rule of thirds. So I've got basically sky takes up the the top two thirds of the frame, and then there's water. And just as an attempt to, well, well, how would I shoot this image? And um, I needed some some space and a sense of calm in the image, so that I had a space to rest my eyes. So when I look at the image now, there's that uh, calm at the top, 
and then you've got the blanket of clouds and then we've got all the chaos underneath, which is the uh, the crashing waves. So there are a lot of ways we can do this and this is exactly why we're having this conversation today in, in the podcast about uh, uh, cropping uh, images uh, and specifically cropping portraits. But it's like, again, you want to think about, Derek, the viewer experience. And so like there was a couple of other ways, like when you were on the shore, uh, I think when you were shooting this, having the camera at a lower angle, and I, I think I would love to see where the waves uh, come onto the sand and maybe more sand, and that could have been the uh, the place for our eyes to rest. So it's like sand, then water, then all the chaos, then the, 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 the blanket of cloud and then the little bit of uh, sky at the top. So um, when, you, when you're approaching these images, have a think about that viewer experience and then like just ask yourself when you're looking at the image, how does this image make me feel? Uh, and so immediately when I looked at this image, I felt really confined and uh, it, it felt a little bit uh, constricted. I wanted more space and more space for my eyes to rest. Does that make sense, Val? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, the thing that works so well in the image is the contrast of the calm and the um, activity in the water and having a bigger amount of calm, clear sky only accentuates that mm. that contrast and makes it even more powerful. Yeah. But in an ideal world, I'd reverse that. So I'd want to see sand, water, then the cloud and then the little bit of sky, sure, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But I didn't have any area in that image to create that, so I did the opposite where I've uh, created uh, the, the sand. So just yes. to, to crop your image, uh, go away from it, g give yourself some space and then come back and then look at it with fresh eyes and um, notice your first reaction to the shot because that's usually correct. Trust your gut on this one. And I know this whole the way an image makes me feel it sounds a little bit woo-woo, but it's really important because it's like, you know, that's how we react to art. It's uh, totally how it makes us feel. So if you can give the viewer a more um, a nicer exp viewing experience, eyes stay on the image for longer when someone looks at something for longer, the chance that they're, they're going to react to the image or rem remember the image is going to be a lot higher. So it's a really important thing uh, that you have eyes on the image for longer and you give them a better experience. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, that's great. Um, really good feedback, Gina. Thank you, Val. And this is something um, the the... the Constructive critiques is something that we do a lot in the goal community, Val, and uh, mm. we've got the constructive critiques coming up uh, this week, so uh, where the goal members will bring their images in, and it's a really in-depth uh, critique that I'll do in the images. So they'll send me their raw files, high res, and then uh, and the questions range from you know how can I improve this portrait to what kind of lighting or how can I edit out the a hair across the face? Whatever the question is, I will then do a, uh, a detailed uh, visual tutorial of that image and show them how to take that image to the next level. So that's something that's uh, also coming up for me this week, Val. 
Very good. I think that uh, a lot of mem- members of the gold community will find that really, really useful. Um, and it's great to see how members of the gold community are progressing. If you'd like to find out a little bit more about what that entails, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the gold community. I love helping the members of the gold community. They're amazing photographers and I love seeing them take their photography to the next level. Here's what Nessa Walla had to say. So my photography has gone from me doing things as favors to now going out of that comfort zone. You know, I have my own kind of day job, but what this has allowed me to do is really just start building something professionally. Over the last few months since I've joined, I've had people reach out to me, have me come do shoots for them. So it's really been incredible, just giving me that confidence, knowing that I have those kind of resources to go back to, and then knowing once I've finished with the shoot, being able to then even get more information back from the community on how I could improve next time. I just feel like really the most valuable thing is having access just to all the resources and tutorials online. But more than that, it's having that more live and interactive touch points yourself with the gold community and really get instant feedback. I mean, I I love that about the community. People are always willing to just share their experiences. It has really just ignited my passion for photography. If you'd like to find out more about the gold community, head to ginamilitia.com and click on memberships. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic, which is the essential guide to cropping portraits. I think that this is such a really useful topic because we're often so – I I see a lot of photographers influenced – by, you know, what they see on Instagram and what they see in um, on social media. And it's really important to make sure that you're following stuff that is world-class because otherwise you could be setting your bar a little bit low. <laughs> and some of, the, some of the stuff that it is suitable, is cropped for social media, may not be suitable in some cases for – Uh, you know, magazines or publications or advertising work or, you know, for family portraits. And and what you do see on a lot of social media is sometimes some really tight crops, which is fine and it's totally fine to have tight crops, but you need to always think about the purpose of the photo, not just Mm. what looks, you know, what looks cool to you. If you are taking the photo for a client or for, you know, a particular, you know, purpose, you really need to think about, well, what do I need to do with the cropping to achieve that particular purpose? And you may crop it differently for different purposes, obviously. So there's a lot to be said about cropping. Where do we start, Gina? Yeah, well, we talked about this uh, when I was doing the uh, photo critique of uh, Derek's uh, image of the water and and it's like I talked about how the image makes me feel and what sort of visual experience are you giving the viewer. And it's kind of uh, for a lot of photographers, particularly when they're starting out or the ones that are studying at the school of Instagram, um, (laughs) you might be uh, missing out on these crucial tips and your images could have 
way more impact and be like way more appealing by just uh, being aware of a few rules. And like you can see that uh, over the years, I found a really interesting article that um, showed how uh, photography and you know particularly the way that uh, the the uh, images being presented on magazine covers over the years has changed and mm. it's um you know as as we got more comfortable with uh, you know photography as an art form and so like you can look and I've got in the uh, examples in the show notes so just go to uh, ginamilitia.com and uh, you can find those there but uh, basically uh, in the early days, like you know, the, like nearly a hundred years ago, eighty years ago, whatever, uh, the 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 covers were really loose. So it was kind of there was this idea where we'll we'll create a magazine, we'll put the masthead up, and uh, we'll have a photo on the cover. But there wasn't a lot of thought to sort of uh, the the visual impact of that image. So they were often uh, kind of loose. And what they would do is the photographer would make sure, and I'm sure uh, you've said this to uh, photographers before that you were commissioning, Val, please leave space for the masthead, yeah, which is sure. the uh, the magazine um, name. Mm-hmm. And so at, to start with, what they would do is they would have like space above the model's head and then you would have like say Vogue and then the model would be underneath. And it was like... Visually, it's very, to me, I'm looking at it, it just looks really sloppy. Don't you agree, Val? It's like loose. Yeah. Right? And so when I'm looking at images and, you know, you can almost tell when someone's starting out, and this was certainly the case for me, uh, I, I started shooting very loose and the way that I framed up my image was determined by one thing my focus point. Mm. And when I started out um, shooting, my focus point was in the middle and I hadn't worked out how to move it yet. And so basically uh, if I wanted uh, my eyes to be sharp, then I would position my model so that the eyes were in the middle of the frame and that's where I would keep my model. And that's as, as much composition work as I did. But as I started studying the visual impact of these images and what a huge difference um, framing and how you crop the image makes, then I started to learn, uh, you know, force myself to really think about the way that I compose in camera and then also when I'm working in post-production, how to how to crop. So back to these Vogue images, yeah. as they, they, they got into it more, what they would do is they started to um, – get a little bit tighter and, and uh, have a little bit more thought into how the the image was laid out until you get to like sort of modern day uh, covers where you see that the eyes of the model are always, always in the top third of the frame and often the masthead uh, is kind of like disappears behind the model. So obviously, you know, graphic design got better and um, 
<clears throat> excuse me, you could see that, uh, you, you know, you can move the, the, the cover head around and uh, move the model around and it looks a lot better. But visually, Val, you can see the difference where you've got the modern day covers. These women uh, that happen to be on these covers, there's men on covers as well, are the heroes of this shot. It's not all this empty space and the words or the name of the masthead. It's the it, the person on the cover. Yeah. So this is what all this, the way that you deliberately crop and compose your images is going to have a huge impact on how they were seen by everyone else and whether or not your your model is the hero of the shot or whether they are like sort of secondary to the image and everything else in the image is more important. What you want, obviously, is for your uh, model, the person that you're photographing, to be the hero of that shot. Uh, so... Uh, that that's really interesting. So, like, when you have time, pay attention. And, like, what you said at the uh, opening of the show, Val, about, like, learning from high art rather than what you see on Instagram, so important. So, like, have a look at the best of the best. So look at these, look at the high-end magazines, look at the high-end uh, photographers, photographers that have been doing it for a little while that, that know all these rules and then they might be breaking them now, but they know the rules, what they are to start with. So for me, Val, it took me years of uh, trial and error. So I said that like, you know, when I started, I was framing up my images so that the model was in the middle of the frame because that's where my focus point were, was. And then I started to uh, learn uh, some of the, the, the golden rules of cropping and then through a lot of trial and error, just like how much of an impact the image can have if it's placed in, in the right place. Now, people say, oh, like, let, let's be edgy and just break all the rules. Uh, and yes, you can and go your own way. But there's like, you notice like through art history, you see uh, artists like uh, Picasso and Van Gogh. Now, if we look at their style, uh, Picasso in particular, you look at his uh, later work and people think, well, well, what rules was he following? He just did it his own way. But these, they broke every rule that there was. But when they started, if you look at Picasso's early work, Van Gogh's early work, they did all the studies, you know, um, still life, landscape and portrait studies and they learned all the essential rules of how to, you know, position uh, things in the frame so that they looked good and then as they developed their style, they went their own way and, uh, you know, they went ahead and broke those rules. So I think it's it's great that you that people develop a style and want to do things their own way, but I think it's really important that you learn those rules first. So um, what I want to talk about is this, this, when I'm saying the word crop, Val, mm -hmm. some people get confused when I say the word crop in camera and it's actually um, composing in camera. You're not actually, mm. when you're taking a photo, you're not actually making it smaller in camera. You're not doing any cropping. You're just lining up the image. And so... Um, the best time to, to crop your image is actually when you're shooting. So, so 
that you're not wasting pixels. And I've got a really good example of that there are a lot of photographers that what they do is to save time or um, because they're lazy or, or, or they just don't know any better yet is what they'll do is like, let's say, Val, uh, you commissioned me to do a uh, series of portraits of someone and you ask for full length, three-quarter and headshot, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, yeah, great, all right, I can knock this off in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Why would I? Um, because to do full length, three-quarter and a headshot, I need to do a lot of shots, right? Mm. But that's that's going to take me a lot of time. Wouldn't it be easier if I just give you, hey, Val, why don't I just give you all full length and you just crop however you want, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then if you need – and then so – and you're thinking, well, the headshot is going to be the main image for our campaign. Mm-hmm. We're going to put that – that's going to go on all the billboards, that's going to go on all the advertising material and it'll go across social media. Mm-hmm. So we'll, you need that good he- headshot. And I'm thinking, yeah. No problems. It'll be fine. My files are big. It won't be a problem. The problem is, and I've got a really good example that shows this, that that I've got two images in the show notes. So basically I've got uh, my first image. What's the actor? Tell him he's dreamy. Michael Caton, who is an Australian actor. Fantastic Australian. Is in the movie The Castle. I know that a lot of uh, people from around the world that listen to this podcast also have some sort of affection with Australia or like, you know, there's something in their, their, their backstory that they visited Australia or they know Australians or for some reason. But if you love Australian culture, you've got to watch The Castle. It's mm-hmm. such a great uh, a movie. Mm-hmm. And so Michael Caton's one of the uh, the actors in that. But but I've got a, a portrait where I shot him as a uh, tight headshot so I'm, um, from the, the top of the head to just under his chin, right? Full frame of him. And then I've got, uh, because the client wanted headshots and full body shots as well. And then directly under that image, I've got a full size, full length image of, of him, right? And what I've done is I've I've got the two images side by side where I've cropped into the face on both images. So the full size headshot and also the full length shot, got them side by side. And um, you can see the difference in resolution. So the image where I've filled the frame for the headshot lots and lots of detail. You're looking to the eyes. You can see every pore on his face. You can see all the – what are the little flecks in the eyes called in the coloured bits of the eyes? Is there a technical term? Flecks in your iris? Yeah, good. That's – um. you should be a scientist. That's – um. <laughs> yeah. is that what they're called? <laughs> flecks in your iris. Yes. <laughs> so – and, and – like when you get a beautiful detailed shot of someone's eye, because everyone's iris is different and some people have like lots of little different colored flecks, some people not so much, but there's definitely like if you've got blue eyes, there might be um, 50 shades, different shades of blue through those eyes. And when you've got like a high resolution image, you can bring out the detail beautifully. You can see every um, hair in his mustache. You can see all the pores. You can see detail galore. 
from the full size image. The image that I've taken from the um, the full size image and cropped in tight and placed it next to the headshot. Can you see the difference, Val, in the two images? So the mm. image on the left is a section taken from a headshot. The image on the right is a section taken from a full length. Can you see the difference in resolution? Well, it's not as sharp. It's not as sharp, but also the way less detail. Mm. Like the eyes, can you see the flex in the eyes not, when the image was not taken as from well. a full length? No, not as well. You can't see the detail in the skin tone. It's just, it's cack. <laughs> right? So... When you're doing that, when, when you're um, supplying the client with like you'll just crop in, shoot loose and crop in, you're actually wasting pixels. And you're you're like if you crop in a headshot from a full length shot, you're actually using like, you know, ten or fifteen percent of the image as opposed to a hundred percent when you actually move your feet and crop in properly. So it's really important that you think about that. And if your client wants, and I think as a general rule, when you're shooting portraits, you want to be shooting um, full length, mid and and headshots Mm -hmm. because, you know, at the end of the day, you want to make as much money as you can. So if you're a a family portrait shooter, you want to get as much variety. If you're shooting, um, you know, a lifestyle shoot for a, a brand person and they need lots of shots, then the more shots you shoot, the more shots they're going to buy because you're giving them variety. So it's worth your while just to move your feet, get in close and take those uh, that variety of image. The other thing that you're going to notice is when you're shooting, like say I'm using my 70 to 200 lens and to shoot the Full-length shot, I might be back a bit from my model and uh, zoomed out to, say, 70-millimeter focal length and I get that full-length shot, right? Mm. Um, and and if I then uh, take stand-up, move right close to him and then zoom in tight and fill the frame uh, with a, a headshot – and I put those two images side by side, you're going to notice a difference because when you're closer to the image, uh, there there is a uh, a change. When when your lens is close to your image, you get uh, maybe the background will blur out more. It it looks different over overall. So you get a completely different look. You might get more uh, background blur or bokeh mm-hmm. going on, and it. it it's a completely different look. So you've got to think about that as well. So um, what you want to do is is basically uh, shoot, move in close, crop in camera. That's what I mean by cropping in camera. You're not actually removing pixels, but you're actually moving your feet, mm. filling the frame and doing a variety of images. Full length, back up, three quarter, move closer, or the reason I like to use the, the zoom lens, Val, is I can get pretty much uh, full length and three quarter easily using the 70 to 200, and then I need to get up, move closer, fill the frame to get the, uh, the tighter shot. Right. All right. So let's talk about 
Let's crop on a bit now, okay? You got any more crop puns? <laughs> crop on. I think you're doing very uh, well on your own. <laughs> I got a heap of them. Um, so it does matter how you crop a portrait, and I'm going to keep saying this. It's about how the image feels. So um, when, I've also got a, um, a diagram in the show notes that shows you exactly the areas that are uh, more pleasing to the eye when you crop and also the areas that are not as pleasing to the eye. So more pleasing to the eye are in blue and less pleasing to the eye are in red. I've created an overlay of the two. And uh, so basically um, the areas that I like to crop is I will shoot like um, mid-thigh, mid-arm and, um, you know, across the forearm and through the very top of the head and uh, usually not at a joint or where an uh, where a body uh, naturally bends. So, like, can you list all the joints of a, <laughs> a, a body, Val? Uh, ankle, knee, Doctor Val. Yes. <laughs> hip, uh, yep. shoulder, elbow, yep. wrist, yep. neck. Yeah. They yep. are the main ones, perhaps. Yeah. So the reason for that, the reason we don't crop at a natural uh, sort of joint of of the body is it is jarring to look at. So like fingers, uh, toes, elbows, knees, wrists, all of that. Uh, jarring to look at. And so um, I've got more examples. I should probably should have done this as a, a whole visual presentation. We can always do another one down the track, Val. Mm. But again, if you check out the show notes, it actually uh, demonstrates it uh, really well. So this is really good, everyone. Happens. Have a look at the show notes at GinaMilitia.com because what Gina's got here is a figure of a guy and, as she mentioned, in red she's kind of done a series of, well, these are bad crop options and in in another row she's got in blue um these are the good crop options but when you look at it they're very subtly different and yet they make a world of difference so definitely go check it out and even print it out and keep it with you you know when you're shooting or or when you're doing post-production and you're cropping because the, even though the differences are subtle and you might think, really, there's not much difference between those, it makes a world of difference. So definitely check them out. It makes a huge difference. And, again, it's not about um, uh, the technical aspect of the photo. So your photo can still be correctly uh, exposed. It, yeah. You know, skin tone looks great. But – People are going to look at it and maybe if they don't even understand the rules of composition or anything, they're just going to go, mm, there's something about this that's image. Right. And it's not until you compare what something that's visually pleasing looks like uh, that you start to see the difference. Mm. So I've got three images where I deliberately cropped uh, through um, the the knees and uh, you can see the difference. So what I did in the image on the left, Val, is I cropped through the wrist 
and I also cropped through uh, just uh, where the what, what's the bit called the hips where the top of the leg joins the torso. <laughs> That's right. It's the hips, isn't it? Because I'm never going to be a doctor. Okay, and you can just see that she looks cut off there it looks wrong Mm. but where i've cropped and i've just like uh just above the knee sort of not quite mid thigh but just above the Mm. knee but not at the knee not at the Mm. knee and you can see her hands and uh suddenly it makes all the difference because she looks uh far more elegant and the image is far more pleasing to look at. And so what happens when you chop people in half, like a lot of people, um, like if you're working with, uh, say, a heavier model, often uh, what they'll say to you is, oh, I don't don't like my body. I don't want my body photographed. Can we just crop in really tight? What they don't understand is it's like when you're cropping and they'll crop, say, at the waist, uh, and then just just shoot from the waist up. What that does is it actually makes them look uh, a lot blockier than and then if you were to photograph them full length, uh, say against uh, like on a white psych where there's just all white around them. And if there is uh, sort of nothing visually to compare to, they they look. They'll look great. They'll look elegant, and um, every all the joints are there. You're not breaking them up and making it feel, um, you know, tight and confined. Does that make sense? I know I'm sort of doing a lot of how I feel, how it looks, but but that's it's kind of the best way to describe it. So, what I'm going for when I'm thinking about how I'm going to crop this image, and a lot of it has come intuitively just from years of um, trial and error is what I'm always trying to do is I want to elongate and flatter the body. So there are ways that you can crop that, that, that don't flatter the body and there are ways that you can crop that do flatter the body. Mm. So if you, if you um, crop into the arms or the legs, you're going to end up looking a lot squarer and boxy and blocky, but you, you know, you include the fingers, include the hands, uh, and uh, you know, cropping sort of mid thigh is going to give you that that elongated and lovely look. All right. So now, because uh, people can crop in camera, what they'll do is maybe, and because you, you mentioned it, Val, you said this whole Instagram trend, and basically what it is, the tight crop is all about getting that image into the square. Yeah. And so into a, 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 a vertical image or a horizontal image into a square frame, and suddenly you're going to have to crop. And so it started this trend of the very tight crop. But often it can look really jarring. And so I've got another example where I've deliberately cropped in um, tight. So I'm like, right, I've got a full length shot of a, of a guy and I've cropped right into the top of his head and right at the bottom of his feet, right up against his body on both sides. And how does that image feel to you, Val, when you look at that, that the black box around the figure? A bit boxed in feels tight so how do you feel when you look at that image you feel constricted right yeah okay so 
and then underneath I've I've recropped the image and I've given him space to breathe. So I've given him mm. space above the head, space around the feet and around the arms. How does that feel now? Yeah, a lot better. It feels um, like you've got breathing space. Breathing space and it can also feel luxurious. So like don't be um, – too tight when you're cropping your images. Don't feel like, oh, I need to just, it needs to all be uh, about the image. I don't want to have any wasted space. That wasted space is really important. You need space to rest your eyes when you're looking at an image and you need to give the space, the image, room to breathe. All right, so these are just things that like I want you to start thinking about. Go back and have a look at your images and you're going to start noticing um, all those little things that's like, oh, I did, I actually accidentally cropped at the elbow or I cropped at the knee or I've cropped at the waist and, yeah, it does look boxy or they do feel really tight. And as you, the more you look at these, then you'll start to look at other images and you'll notice what a huge difference how you crop an image makes to that image. So the other, the opposite of that is that you can make an image feel really luxurious. So I've got an image of, uh, just by giving extra breathing space, so I've got an image of um, a shot where I've actually extended all the space around the image. So I've placed uh, the person in the corner of the frame. I've given them space around them, but now I've also increased all the image around. So it's the guy on the chair leaning back, Val. So there's two um, blank walls, in, you know, yeah. and he's in a corner and he's leaning back on the chair against one of the walls with his feet on the other wall in the corner. So is what you're saying, Gina, that you've built more wall? I've built more wall. Okay. I've extended this uh, in 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 post production, but but what? I, because I didn't have a space big enough to create this just by stepping back with my camera. But what it what it's cre- created in this image is having that space. It doesn't make you think, oh, what a waste of space. It just feels very and it also doesn't feel loose it definitely feels like this is how I frame this up deliberately all the way down to where the person is looking so I've deliberately Mm. framed it up this way so that in that empty space I can place text there if I want and then you think about um you know the psychology of a human when they're when they're looking at an image and when there's text involved. So what happens is when we as humans look at an image, if there is a, a another person in that image, the first thing we look for—it's our nature to do this—is their face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We will look for the eyes, and the next thing we do is look to where the eyes are looking. And we then will look to where the eyes are looking. So if you're someone who is uh, working for a client and you want to create an image uh, that, that is advertising for them, then you can do this technique as well where you uh, get your client to look into the empty space, give them that empty space to look into, and then you create that text in the space and suddenly you've got this image where people are going to spend more time. Like you're basically directing the viewer of your image. You're telling them where to look with this simple little technique. So they'll look at the image, look at the face, 
and then look where the face is looking, which directs them to the to the words. Yeah. So it's, it's a really Great. clever little trick and it's used a lot. And now that you know this, you're going to see other examples of this online and where it's used successfully. And it's a very um, good way to get people to notice and read the words as well as look at the image. Yeah, love okay? it. So when I'm framing up my heads, uh, like headshots, there is there is a, uh, and it's been a trend for a while, uh, where people will crop into the top of the head. It's fine, okay? And basically it's following that trend that we talked about earlier with uh, the magazines where visually an image is going to look a lot stronger when you've got the eyes in the top third of the frame. So you want to aim for that uh, when you're framing up the shot. Now, the best way to do that is like we go back to what we were talking about last week, getting off auto. The biggest game changer if you're new to photography is to learn how to move your focus points because if you're relying on that center weighted focus point, you're never going to be able to get the eyes sharp and in the center of the frame or you're going to be doing that compose and recompose technique, which for portrait photography, it doesn't work. You, it, it kills the flow and, um, you know, if, you, if you're serious about your portrait photography and you want to create create great images and you want to be um, you want to be able to connect with your models and take your work to the next level you're not going to get there doing compose and recompose because it what it does is can you imagine Val if I shot you using compose and recompose when I was shooting you so basically mm. I f- hold my finger on you learned that technique didn't you to start with yeah, ha- that's right. Half to press the shutter, yep. focus on your eye, and then hold the shutter down and then recompose my image. Yep. So, like, let's just do that shoot. Okay, so, Val, look at me. <laughs> yeah, just tilt your head. All right, I'm just going to – can you pose it on your can, – can it on your eye? Got it. Okay. J- so, sorry, just looking at me. Okay, think of – Think of Rexy. We've got the love back in the eye. I'm just moving the camera away. I'm now recompose. Wait. Your eyes have gone cold again. I'm just going to go back and recompose again. Think of Rexy. <laughs> I love how you reenact these the things eyes. that don't happen. <laughs> yeah, and then moving the camera away. Can you see how that's just really fractured as a way to shoot? Yes. It doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. It's great if you're maybe um, photographing, you're documenting an event um, or you're shooting sport or I'm sure there's, there's, there's people that will tell me that there's Lots of ways it works for a portrait photographer. I don't think it works because I think it, it it's really um, messed up and you lose that beautiful flow. Whereas if you just had that focus point moved, I've got my camera on the tripod and I can just go, okay, Val, look at me, fingerexy, mm. let's get that, you know, warmth in the eyes. Okay, tilt the head, move, you know, and I just can keep on talking and the camera doesn't even come into it. I'm not worrying about what my camera is doing because mm. I know I've got that focus point over the eyes. So... I'm framing, because it's now about your photo shoot now, so I'm framing (laughs) you up, Val, so that your eyes are in the top third of the frame. Okay. Now, do I just take advantage, do I just shoot you now because it's like, all right, well, we'll just, I'm going to, everyone else um, crops into the, um, into the forehead now. Yeah. Right? So if I'm going to do a good corporate headshot, I need to make my headshot look like everyone else's. (laughs) 
or do I give space? So what I say to this is um, when you're shooting headshots, you want to give your client options and give yourself options. So what I would say is when you're shooting this, um, I would I would leave a little bit of space above the head always yep. and like just leave a lot more space under the chin. So you can see the difference. Um, I've got uh, two images there where I've framed it up and I've got the eyes in the top third of the frame and um, basically I can come in and then crop that in post if I want to make this uh, image uh, visually a lot stronger, more about the face, I can crop into the into the forehead. But I wouldn't do it uh, in camera for these images because once you've cropped in that tight on a headshot, you can't go back. And it's not like you're building a white wall. You can't, you know, no. <laughs> extend someone's forehead in Photoshop afterwards very and successfully. And the hair and the hat. Mm. So, yes, we talked about earlier about uh, not losing pixels. So there's there's a big difference between shooting a full length shot and cropping to a headshot. Um, it's not the same as shooting a headshot where I'm just gonna allow a little bit of space above the head, or just cropping all the way in. So what you want to do is make sure that you give the client options. And I learned this the hard way because it was like, I was really uh, digging that cropping tight sort of look. And I would do that for my clients, but I wouldn't bother to zoom out a little bit more. So they had the top of the head. And when they're like, yeah, we want to run this as a cover, but it looks really weird because you've cut into her head. Have you got any without the that, that crop and I'm like no because I didn't I just shot like that because I know everything mm. I'm 25 mm. you know so um, you, you want to think about how you're cropping and give yourself options and also options for the future and so what I would recommend when you're shooting um, headshots is I actually shoot all my headshots now in horizontal format mm. I've ditched vertical altogether Val yeah the reason for this is because the horizontal format um, is going to work in a lot more um, situations. So basically yep. the way I do that is I think of I frame it up and I visualize what the vertical version is going to look like and I make sure that I've got all of that in the image. So I make sure I've got the top of the head, I've got the chin, I've got enough of the, uh, the body to get a good vertical image but I will frame it up as a horizontal. So I can easily crop in post to get vertical but I've also got a horizontal version of that image. Does that make sense? Yes, makes sense. So I'm giving my client lots and lots of options to use it uh, like just say that they've um the image needs to go on the back of a book or it needs to be a specific vertical framing for whatever reason they need it they've got that but they've also got the horizontal framing for all the different web uses that are out there uh, as well so you're covering all your bases okay so um and I've just also got some examples of like, and I see this a lot where people will um, crop into the head 
or, or, or crop into the chin and what a difference it makes visually. So I've got a satirist there who's um, where I've taken the shot and I've got his eyes in the top third of the frame. And then I've recropped the image where I've given uh, – I've put the eyes dead center of the frame. You can see the top of his head, but I've cropped into his chin. Can you see how jarring that looks? Mm. Yeah. The two images, so where you've cropped into the chin, it's jarring. Yeah, it's like, sure. You know, socks and sandals, <laughs> jarring. Uh, jarring. Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, give options, leave some space above the head. You can always come in um, later in post and crop in, but you can't go back. All right, so you want to make sure that you're thinking about how you crop. And the other thing that you want to think about is that you are cropping with confidence. Mm. So if you are going to make a decisive crop into the head, into the top of the head, then do it with confidence. Like So you see that some people might crop into the just the very tippy top of the head mm. and uh, it looks like a mistake. Yep. And so that's the idea. If you're going to do this, and I've got like three examples where I've cropped just into the elbow and just into the top of the head, yep. and basically it just looks I was like I was lazy and I yep. wasn't paying attention and I've just skimmed that, whereas, you know, um, if it is a mistake, then obviously you're going to crop, you know, through the nose or something like that. So, so make sure that, uh, you know, when you're lining it up, you're looking through the camera lens and you're going, I want this to look deliberate and uh, you do it with confidence. And so like one thing that you can ask yourself when you're shooting is, does this crop look deliberate? Does it look like I've done it on purpose or does it look like I just missed uh, the angle of the camera and I should have panned to the to the right a little bit more or just panned up a little bit more. Does it look like a mistake or does it look uh, deliberate? So, and you can also apply this to your lifestyle images. And so again, think about like with all your photography, you can ask yourself the same question. How does the cropping make me feel? Does this image flow? Mm. Are there places for my eyes to rest? Does it feel nice to look at? And the more images and just flick through, like have a look online and go, how does this image feel? And look at the images that you keep going back to and that you're drawn to regularly. What is it about those images that that you like mm. as opposed to the ones where you just go, oh, I d- I don't like that. I don't know why. It's not necessarily the subject. It might be about the cropping. And then you can go back and maybe think about how you've cropped your images and um, what a good crop is. And just like a little tweak, a couple of millimeters one way, Mm. a couple of millimeters another way can make a huge difference to how your images look. And I've got like uh, a couple of images where I've just changed the crop um, to make a landscape image look more visually pleasing just by uh, changing how much sky and water ratio is in the image. So it's really worth experimenting. If you're not necessarily a portrait photographer, you might want to have a look at how you crop your images and, again, ask yourself that question, how does this image make me feel as opposed to, you know, an image that you look at that is jarring. So there you go, Val. That's um, Wow, fantastic. 
a bit of a guide to uh, cropping your images. It makes a huge difference. Huge. It really does. And it's like if there's one thing that you can do this week is like learn to get your move your focus points so that it's not in the dead center of frame and then you can move um, your model from the you know from the center to the left you can allow more breathing space that that in itself is probably the biggest game changer and then just keep thinking I want the eyes of my model to be in the top third of the frame if you can do that it's going to make a huge difference to how your images look and then your images are going to stand out and look you know a lot more professional to the ones where the eyes are just bang smack in the middle of the frame and yeah that's absolutely fantastic i think that's such a good rundown um on the things you need to consider when cropping portraits or cropping anything um uh, and I just want to reiterate because I've literally that second got an email about cropping. So I want to reiterate, right. you've you always think about what is the purpose and what is the use of the photo. So I've, um, I'm dealing with the photographer, well, with somebody who is supplying images from their photographer, uh, of, um, uh, you know, of an image and I said, okay, well, because if I'm going to consider it for the cover of this section of the magazine, I need it to look good in portrait format because it's a magazine page, right? Now, yeah. the, the, the image itself doesn't have to be portrait if I can crop it to, you know, an yes. appropriate portrait um, crop, but They've sent me a whole ton of images and I've said, look, mm -hmm. I really want to feature this on the cover. So not only will they get a story, they'll get the cover of that section, right, if there's an appropriate yeah. image. And none of the Im – and I've explained to them what what needs to happen and none of the images, even the horizontal ones that are, are nice and are going to be good enough, there isn't enough – on the top, and I can't build it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly, you can't make it up. There yeah. isn't enough on the top for me to be able to crop it to a portrait without cutting off a whole heap of other stuff, right? So yeah. Yeah. they're now kind of freaking out because they really want the cover <laughs> and yeah. they've just sent me an email, you know, if none of them uh, – uh, if to the email basically says – if totally not suitable, we may discuss reshooting in portrait. Yeah. So let us know. So I now need to make a decision. Do I make them reshoot or do I go with what I've got, which I don't think I can, or do I have to find something else for the cover and yeah. then therefore they don't get the cover, right? So cropping, it's so important because that it's, it's not how great necessarily the story is in this case it is how whether the shot is good enough for the cover and, and not good exactly. enough but cropped in the appropriate way for the cover. So, yeah, very, and very important. There's a real-life practical so that goes, thing. Absolutely. So give yourself options. It's that, yeah. that, that five minutes before you say, yep. okay, I got it, exactly. that's a wrap. And it's like I know a lot of you new photographers yeah. think – everyone's going to judge me here and if I don't do this quickly or I'm checking the back of the camera, then I'm going to look like I'm incompetent. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. So 
if you've ever like when you work with a professional photographer when you see a professional photographer at work you will see the thing you will notice is how slowly and deliberately they work and it's when there's an art director and the clients are involved everything is even slower Mm. because there are so many people along the way that are involved in the process so often there's a there's an art director involved or a, a creative director who's got the main brief and it's like okay this is the cover this is where the image needs to fit and so what we are constantly doing what's been drummed into me is give them lots of options it's not going to kill you to go shoot shoot vertical and shoot horizontal and give them all those options and give them the extra headspace and then knock yourself out come in tight do the detail shots but but start you know a little bit looser so that everybody has those options and it's uh like once you get rejected for that cover <laughs> you'll you'll never forget it and you'll mm. go oh if only i had have just taken that extra time to do this one thing because often the cover is just about the best image for that shot so you might be missing out but if you're the photographer that's supplying lots of options then you could be getting you know a, a ton more you know covers and spreads and and uh, a ton more work coming your way Fantastic. All right. This brings us to the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? So I've got, I've got to now just uh, go and uh, pack my car before it gets uh, dark. So I've got a, a, a big shoot tomorrow and then I've got uh, lots of editing to do after that. What about you, Val? Well, you may remember from last week that um, I had a lot of challenges with the internet. Uh, I now mm. have the internet thanks to Aussie mm. Broadband and I have... Um, I think you're uh, <laughs> about to buy, invest in the company, like the way that you bang on about... Are you investing I, in the company? I do are not get paid now, in Aussie any broadband? way. I do not get paid in any way. This is just genuine excitement. And so I am catching up on so many things that you don't realise how debilitated, how stymied you are when you don't have the internet. And there is so much more that I need to do. There's so much stuff that I need to upload, um, large files. Um, I'm just going nuts on the internet. So I know that doesn't sound particularly exciting. (laughs) Oh, but it's like your worst nightmare. And I've I've seen you. It's like, it's not pretty. There was a, there was a five minutes where you were living in Melbourne, in a part of Melbourne that didn't have very good internet. You were not happy. More and you than would five travel minutes. hours just to yes. find good internet. Yeah. And you were constantly grumpy, Val. Yes, I you were was. Just grumpy. I know. About not having so, you know, right. so I'm gonna I, be I can't happy. take you trekking <laughs> anywhere to a desert without internet. That's the uh, number one on the list. So you can happily stream all your favorite yes. shows now, Val. Uh, on multiple devices. All right. So Gina, where do we find you online? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then I'd love the opportunity to work with you. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on membership. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, 
visit GinaMalaysia.com. 